want to do today is continue because that's what we do here. We continue ministering to you the word of the living God. So in our teaching, we have done some things. We are in volume number three, for example. Each one of our teaching volumes have six tapes. So volume one, six tape, volume two, six tapes. We in volume number three, and we are already doing part one and part two on volume number three. So really, this is tape number 13 and 14 that we are ministering on. Just to give you a little background that you can understand this message on the revealed word, we're going to go to 1 Corinthians, and we're going to be reading chapter number 2. And 1 Corinthians chapter number 2, we're going to be reading that, and our key verse is going to be verse number 10. Because in verse number 10, it's going to show us what we are ministering. We are following the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul is the apostle to the Gentiles. So our message is from the Apostle Paul teaching. From the book of 1 Corinthians, chapter number 2, and verse number 1, it says, And I, brethren, when I came to you, I came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declare unto you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you, save Jesus Christ and him crucified. I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. My speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Howbeit we speak wisdom among them that are perfect, yet not the wisdom of this world nor the princes of this world that come to know. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. Even the hidden wisdom was God ordained before the world unto our glory, which none of the princes of this world knew. For had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, eye has not seen, nor ear heard, neither have entered to the heart of man, the things which God has prepared for them that love him. But God has revealed them unto us by his Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, yea, the deep things of God. For what man knoweth the things of a man, save the Spirit of man which is in him. Even so the things of God knoweth no man but the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit which is of God, that we might know the thing that are freely given to us of God. So our key verse there is verse number 10. But God hath revealed them unto us, the apostle Paul is reminding the church, for the spirit searches all things, yea, the deep things of God. So that's why our series is on the revealed word. The revealed word. Now, there are different teachings in the word of God. So that's why we're going to be talking about today, and we're going to bring you up to date on that, but we're going to be talking about today on the revealed word. The vision has been accomplished. The vision has been accomplished. Now, to say the vision has been accomplished, we're going to give you some words on the word accomplished. Because last week we talked about the vision has been fulfilled. So that word accomplished has different meaning. It means finish. The vision has been finished. 
Now, when I said the vision has been finished, I'm going to be going back to Genesis to show you where the vision started. I'm going to show you why there's so much confusion in the body of Christ because people are not understanding vision. And we must understand that God gave this telling Israel what would happen in the last days. That vision has been fulfilled. Now, to say that is the meaning of hearing people. When you hear people say, for an example, Pastor, the thing that's going on now, aren't we in the last days? Now, a lot of people will fall into that. It's all we in the last days. My question to you is, last days of what? Because first of all, in the Bible, I'm going to show you that when Jesus came, it was the last days. And so when Paul preached his message, he was in the last days. Now, we are 2,000 years from that, and yet people still think we're in the last days. No, that's why my message is the vision has been accomplished. The vision has been accomplished. That word accomplished once again means finished. See, Christ is the finished work of God. Let me say it again. Christ is the finished work of God. So that's why everything stopped, finished by Jesus Christ. So that's why the Bible tells us in the book of Romans, chapter 10, and verse 4, Christ is the end of the law. See, the law is finished. That's what Christ came to do, fulfill. Christ came to finish, to fulfill. That word means to complete, put an end to. And so that's why the law stopped, because Christ ended the law. He fulfilled it. So that's why you have to understand the vision. But I'm going to show you in the Word of God that the word vision really means Christ. See, Jesus told the people, search the Scripture. In them you think you have eternal life, but they are they that testify of me. So when Daniel, and I'm going to show you all the way back to Genesis, when they had a vision, it was a, the vision of God. The vision is Christ. So Everything God was showing you is what's going to happen when he comes because that's exactly why he came, to fulfill every jot and every tittle of God's word, of God's law. So we're going to begin to see this uh, as we teach the word of God today. The vision has been accomplished. Now, I'm going to be backing up because I'm going to show you when we started this teaching, I taught you on the message of faith. We're going to see that in this, in this teaching a little bit, the message of faith. Now, the message of faith. Then we went to the next teaching on the manifesto word. See, all of these is the word. You got a manif the message of faith, and then you got a manifesto word. Well, when the word is manifested, that word is in the flesh. 1 Timothy 3.16. I'm just going to tax it a little while. In 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse number 16, told you the manifesto word. The Bible says, and without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the word, in the world, and then received up in the glory. So that is the manifesto word. That's why John 1, 14 says, and the word was made flesh. 
The Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Why was the Word manifested? First John told us why the Word was manifested. It was manifested to take away our sins. In First John, chapter number 3, told us that in verse number 5. And you know that he was manifested to take away our sins. It's an awesome thing to know that Jesus Christ, God himself, came in flesh to take away our sins, and yet people do not believe that he has taken away our sins. Yet he paid for our sins. That is your salvation, is to believe Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. Christ died for our sins. So that's what we have to understand. And then also in 1 John chapter 3, verse 8 says, He that committed sin is of the devil, for the devil sinned from the beginning. For this purpose the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Well, what is the works of the devil? Sin. So that's why he came, to destroy sin, to take away sin. Just going to give you one more. Romans chapter number, uh, chapter number 8. Romans chapter 8, when you start reading that, Paul realized when he got to Romans chapter 8, verse 1, there is therefore now no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made us free, watch it, from the law of sin and death. So the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made us free from the law of sin and death. What the law could not do, and that it was weak through the flesh. God sent his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh for what purpose? For sin. He condemned sin in the flesh. That word condemn means to judge. He had to fulfill, put it away. And that was what had happened to sin. The problem people are having now is the works of the flesh. You follow that up in Galatians 5, 19. We're going to move on. Now, the works, the word of God revealed. The, manif the, 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 the message of faith, the manifested word, and then the word of truth. See, the word of truth today is God's vision. The word of truth today. So let me show you that in Ephesians before we get into our message. The book of Ephesians chapter number 1. We're going to look at verse 13 and 14. So we have to understand your salvation today is the word of truth. The word of truth is your message today. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 13, in whom you also trusted after you heard the word of truth. The word of truth. Now, the word of truth is not other teachings. The word of truth is the message that Paul preached, which is the gospel of Christ. He's going to tell you that right here. In whom you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also you believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance under redemption of the Persian possession unto the praise of his glory. The word of truth is not the other messages. The word of truth is the message that God has given to the Gentiles through the Apostle Paul for salvation. This is how you say by hearing and believing the word of truth. Okay, it's the gospel of your salvation. In Romans chapter 1, in Romans chapter 1, the Apostle Paul talked about this in verse 15. So much as enemy is, I am ready to preach the gospel to you at Rome. Well, what gospel, Paul? I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. So you have to understand the gospel to be saved by 
is the gospel of Christ. The gospel of Christ is about his death, his burial, his resurrection. You are saved by believing Christ died for your sins and he was buried and God raised him from the dead. That is why it's so important to understand the word of God. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, Paul said. It is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Gentiles. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, and is written, the just shall live by faith. So we're going to have to understand that because we're going to begin to see the just shall live by faith because in our next teaching, in our teaching today, matter of fact, we're going to get to the day. Let's go look at some of that now. Let's go back to the book of Baca, and let's show you where that came from. When I go back from Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Acts, those books, all the way back, I'm in the Old Covenant. All right, the New Covenant started with the book of Romans, okay? That's where your New Covenant started. All right, so we're going to go back to Habakkuk, and we're going to show you something that Habakkuk said about uh, this message of faith. Habakkuk chapter number 2. So when Jesus came, Jesus preached the gospel of the kingdom. The gospel of the kingdom. His whole purpose, so they would receive faith and believe. Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 1 said, I will stand up on my watch. I will set me up on the tower and I will watch to see what he will say to me. What I shall answer when I'm reproved. And the Lord answered me. That's what the vision is. And the Lord answered me and said, write the vision. Make it plain upon tables that he may run that readeth it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time. Now you got to understand Daniel and Habakkuk, these guys, Habakkuk is before Daniel. So we know that during this time, they were getting ready to go into Babylon. Daniel was, went into Babylon. But we're going to show you Habakkuk was also one of the prophets who was explaining to them about what's going on. It's their wickedness that caused them to go into captivity. So here we see in verse number three, it says, the vision is for yet for an appointed time, but at the end. So he's telling them when the vision is going to be. It shall speak. Now the word said, it shall speak. Now I'm going to show you something because when I get to Hebrew chapter 10, he's going to show you that it shall speak is really he shall speak. But knowing Habakkuk, he can't re, uh, reveal this because the New Testament would have to give you the revelation. For the vision is yet for an appointed time. The vision is. But I'm going to show you the new covenant is, it's not the vision, it's Christ. Christ is the vision. For the vision is yet for an appointed time. But at the end, at the end, it shall speak. At the end, Christ shall speak and not lie. Though it tarry, wait for it, because it will surely come. It will not tarry. Now, in Habakkuk, he used the word, it will come. It will not tarry. Now, then he says in verse number four, we're going to show you both of these verses when I go to Hebrews. Verse four says, Behold, his soul which is lifted up is not upright in him, but the just shall live by his faith. Let's go and show you that because we're going to show you what God was talking about. Let's go to, in the book of Hebrews, chapter number 10. 
in the book of Hebrews chapter number 10, this is going to be quoted by the Apostle Paul. But remember, Paul is giving you the revelation of the mystery. Now, that's very important to understand the word of God because the Old Testament covenant was to Israel and about Israel. The New Testament covenant is the revelation of the mystery. Now, we're going to show you those scriptures. I can give them to you in advance because when you get to the revelation of the mystery, you're in Romans 16, 25. That's what Paul preached. Paul preached the revelation of the mystery. We'll show you that in just a moment. Now, the reason why is because Jesus taught parables and Jesus taught the mysteries of the kingdom. The mysteries of the kingdom. Paul taught the revelation of the mystery. So, but in the Old Testament, the Old Testament covenant was about Israel and it was about prophecy. Prophecy and mystery made up the Old Covenant. So that's why when Old Testament was prophecy. Now, for prophecy has been fulfilled. So that's why it's so important to understand the word of God. When you say the word fulfilled, you talk about accomplish, to perform, to complete, to finish, to put an end to what? What has been foretold and what has been promised. See, so everything that God promised has been fulfilled. Let me give you, before I finish Hebrews, let me show you a verse here so you can understand because we got people still telling you that things are continuing to be fulfilled. Well, if things are continuing to be fulfilled, that means the word of God is not what you said it is. Because in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, it says in verse 18, but as God is true, and our word toward you was not yea and nay. The Son of God, Jesus Christ, who was preached among you were by us, even by me and Savanus and Timotheus, was not yea and nay, but in him, yes. All the promises, that's 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20. So when you are saying that things have not been fulfilled, then you don't believe the word. Because the Bible says all the promises of God in Christ Ah, yes. And in Christ, amen, unto the glory of God by us. Now he who establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us is God, who also has sealed us and given the honest of the Spirit in our hearts. So the Apostle Paul is letting them know that all the promises of God in Christ is yes, amen. I'm going to read that same thing out of the NLT. Now, it's an awesome thing to be able to be delivered from ignorance because that's some of the things that some of the things had to happen to all of us. We have to be delivered from ignorance. A lot of us been taught wrong. That was my problem. I was believing man and not God. Out of 40 years of ministry, I was still believing what man was saying about the word. But when the Holy Ghost teaches you the word, you know because the Holy Ghost is true. In 2 Corinthians 1 and 20, out of the NLT, the New Living Translation, it says, all of God's promises have been fulfilled. That's awesome. All of God's promises have been fulfilled in Christ with a resounding yes. And through Christ, our amen, which means yes, ascends to God for his glory. 
So all of God's promises has been fulfilled. So if you're still looking for God to come and fulfill something else or do something else, then you don't believe he's already fulfilled all that he says. So that's why you have my message today is the vision has been accomplished. But I'm going to go back and I'm going to show it to you. I'm going to show you Hebrews first. I told you in Hebrews chapter 10, I'm reading the same thing that was spoken out of Habakkuk because Habakkuk called the vision, it, it shall surely come. It will come. It will not tarry. It will speak. It will not lie. All right, let's show you this in, in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 35. Cast not away therefore your confidence. Your confidence is your faith. That's what he was telling those people who were Jewish believers. They were going to be saved by their faith. The just shall live by their faith. They're going to be able to be saved by their faith. All right? Cast not away therefore your confidence, which has great recompense of reward. Why would they faith have reward? Because if they do not have the, kept the faith, they cannot be rewarded with eternal life. That's how the Jewish believer was saved. For yet, for he has need of, you have need of patience, he says, that after you have done the will of God, you might receive the promise. The promise. Remember all the promise of God in Christ is yea, amen. But the promise is the Holy Spirit. You might receive the promise. For yet a little while, and he that shall come will come. Wait a minute. It didn't say it. It said he. Yet a little while, and he that shall come will come. Well, who is the he? It's Christ. Yet a little while, he that will come. They was waiting for Christ to return. They were waiting for Christ's return. And it's an awesome thing for the body of Christ to still wait for Christ to return and say they have Christ in them. You need to get that together. Either Christ is in you or he's coming. Which one are you believing? Because if you believe in Christ is coming, you don't believe Christ is in you. Christ in you is the hope of glory. So is he coming or is he in you? That's, of course, you have the answer. So he said, yet a little while, the Hebrews, Paul is preaching to Hebrews. And he said, he that, said he, he that shall come will come and will not tarry. Talking about Christ. But he said, now the just shall live by faith. Now, Habakkuk said, but the just shall live by faith. Hebrews said, now. The just shall live by faith. So he's confirming the word to let you know it's not going to happen now. It's now. Hebrews 10, 38. Now the just shall live by faith. But if any man draw back, my soul shall not have no pleasure in him. But we are not of them who draw back unto perdition, but of them that believe. Watch this. To the saving of the soul. They had to go on to the end. Now, while I'm in Hebrew, I'm going to show you that. Let's go back to Hebrews chapter 3. The difference in Israel's salvation and our salvation is what you must understand. Most of the teaching you're hearing today is about Israel's salvation. It's not about your salvation. It's about Israel's salvation. So the Bible said in the book of Hebrews chapter 3, Wherefore, holy brethren, partake of the heavenly calling. Consider the apostle and high priest of our profession, our profession. Now he's talking to Hebrews. Our profession, Christ Jesus. So their profession was Jesus is the Son of God. That's how they would say. Jesus is the Christ, 
he's the son of God. That is their confession, all right? Now, they have to hold on that confession without wavering till Christ come back for them. That's how they're saved, all right? Now, you are saved by grace. That's why we put on our walls Ephesians 2.8, for by grace are you saved, through faith, not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. You are not saved by faith. You are saved by grace. See, they had to be saved by their faith. They had to be saved by their faith. That's why you hear about their salvation. It says, you shall be saved. You shall be saved. Your salvation is not shall be saved. It's by grace you are saved. But it's through faith, not of yourself. It's the gift of God. So God gave us salvation because we was the Gentiles at that time. We're not Gentiles anymore. We're the body of Christ. But the way we got saved is because we had to believe that God saved us 2,000 years ago. See, the Bible said when Christ died, he died for our sins. He was buried for us. He was raised for our justification. So I got to understand that we bring no works to the table. Everything God did, he did it for us. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So our salvation is bought and paid for, but we have to believe it, and it's free. Salvation is a gift. It's free. But those people had to believe God until the end to be saved until Christ returned before they were saved. That's why it tells them, when you read Matthew, when I go back to Matthew 24, Jesus said, He that endured to the end, the same shall be saved. They had to believe till Christ returned. Jesus said, When I return, will I find faith on the earth? He wasn't talking about you. He was talking to Israel. Okay? Jesus did not preach to Gentiles. Just think about that a moment. Jesus did not preach to Gentiles. Paul preached to Gentiles. Romans 11 and 3, Paul is the apostle of the Gentiles. Jesus Christ preached to the, his, the Jewish believer. Okay? All right. Now, in the book of Hebrews, we just showed you in chapter number 3, he said, Consider, wherefore, holy brothers, partake of the, of the hell of a heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our profession, Christ Jesus. That word profession is confession. And we look at that same verse in verse number 6, Hebrews chapter 3, verse 6. But Christ, as a son of his own house, who house are we, if we hold fast. Watch what he says. If. If. Our salvation is not based on Christ's return. You're saved by grace. You can receive Christ right now today and be saved. But their salvation was based on Christ's return. But Christ is a son of his own house, who house are we? If we hold fast the faith, that was confidence, if we hold fast the faith and the rejoicing of hope firm to the end. See, they had an end of the age. They had the end of the age. We don't have an end of the age. When, when they end of their age ended, it began grace. That's why you are in the dispensation of grace. You are not under the law. You are not under the age that Paul was under, Peter, James, and John, even Jesus. We are in a new dispensation 
We'll show you that in Ephesians chapter 3, which is the dispensation of grace. All right? It's like it was with Noah. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord, but you got to understand something about Noah. When Noah got in that ark, his wife and his three sons and their daughters, and their wives, I'm sorry, when they got in that ark, they left the old world, listen to me, they left the old world and they went into a new world. Now, what was the new world? There was no more sin, no more death. See, no more, no, everything was new. That's why Christ gave you a new life in Christ. Adam is the old world. Once you got born of the Spirit, the Holy Ghost put you in Christ. Christ is the new world. You left the old world, Adam, and now you're in a new man, Christ. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, 2 Corinthians 5, 16 and 17, verse 17 says, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Old things are sin, death. See, all that passed away. You are a new creature in Christ Jesus. That's good news, isn't it? And so that's what we got to understand is our new life in Christ. But you got the new life by grace. We didn't do anything to earn it. We believe. All right? Now, Hebrews chapter number 3, verse 6 says, But Christ, as a son of his own house, whose house are we, if, now remember these were Hebrews, if they hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of hope firm to the end. That's why you hear James talking to them. See, James, let me, let me, let me, play, a little, let me play a little bit of James. Just play, we're going to play a little bit of James here. James chapter 1 and verse number 2. My brethren, now who's James writing to? James 1 and 1 says, James, a servant of God and the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad. So James, Peter, and John, which were Jesus' apostles, they wrote to, to, to the Hebrews. Only Paul wrote to the Gentiles. So you can't be in James trying to get a message for the church. You can't be in uh, Hebrews trying to get a message for the church. You can't be over here in John, 1 John, 2 John, 3 John, or even Revelation, trying to get a message for the church. You don't get that. The, the, church, the church message is not the book of Revelation. The book of Revelation is prophecy that has been fulfilled. We're going to talk about that today. So he wrote to the 12 tribes. He said, greeting, James chapter 1, verse 2 said, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into the dive of temptation." knowing this, that the trying of your faith. Remember, trying of your faith worketh patience. And then it says, but let patience have a perfect work that you may be perfect and entire, want nothing. Then it says, if you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men living and abraded not, and it shall be given him. Now, you got to understand something. He just said, if you lack wisdom, let him ask. ask. Well, this is a problem. If you're under grace, God has blessed you, Ephesians 1 and 3. God has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in the heavenly places in Christ. So Christ now become our wisdom, 1 Corinthians 1 and 30. So everything we have is in Christ. So we, we don't have to ask God for wisdom. If you got Christ, he is your wisdom. He is your righteousness. He is your sanctification. See, he's everything. Praise God for his goodness. He said, look, if any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth 
all men living or braided or not, and it shall be given him. But watch what it says. But let him ask in faith. People to use this to teach faith. Listen, this is not to the body of Christ. This is to the Hebrews. This man, James, was writing to the Hebrews. Let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. Watch what it says. He that wavers like the wave of the sea, driven and tossed with the wind. Driven with the wind and tossed. Let not that man think he shall receive anything of the Lord. Isn't that something you think, your father, do you like that? That if you don't ask in faith, you don't get it? No, that's not, that's not truth. Ephesians 1 and 3 said, Blessed be God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. So God, when he gave us Christ, he gave us everything. So that's, that's Romans. That, then he talked about, for let not that man think he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. People take that and preach to the church and tell the church why they don't have anything because they don't use their faith, don't have faith. That's not right. So when you look at the word of God, Romans chapter 8, let me show you another verse. Romans chapter number 8 and verse number 32. He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him freely, freely give us all things? Freely. Once God gave his son, he freely gave you all things. That's Romans chapter 8 and verse number 32. No, God did not hold back anything on us. It's people who preach the word of God that don't know the word of God are telling people you got to get it this way. No, God blessed us and gave us everything when he gave us Christ. So you have eternal life. That's who Christ is. Once God gave you his son, once you receive his son into your heart, you have eternal life right now. That's what you got to understand. So in Hebrews chapter number three, I gave you verse one. I gave you verse six, and I want to also give you verse 14. Hebrews chapter three, verse 14 said, we are made partakers of Christ. Now this is Hebrews. We are made partakers of Christ if everything is based on if they hold on to their faith. So that's why I said the just shall live by faith. That's not you. That's not you. He says, we are made partakers of Christ if we hold fast. Watch this. The beginning of our faith, the beginning of our confidence, steadfast to the end. So if they don't hold on to their faith all the way to the end, they can't be saved. That's not you. God saved you up front. Before you was, while you was yet sinners, Christ died for us. By grace are you saved through faith. Oh, you got to hear the gospel preached now, the gospel of Christ preached and believe it, but that's how you're saved. And then when you receive Christ, you receive the Holy Spirit. It's not a waiting for the Holy Spirit. Let's go back to that because I want to make sure I touch that again. Because a lot of people think you got to ask for the Holy Spirit, tarry for the Holy Spirit, all this kind of nonsense that had nothing to do with the Holy Spirit. That's religion. Ephesians 1 and 13 says, in whom also you trusted. After you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after you believed, after you believed, you were sealed. S-E-A-L-E-D. You were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, which is the honest of our inheritance unto the purchase, redemption of the purchase possession, unto the praise of his glory. So God already told you 
when you believe on his son, you receive the Holy Spirit. When you receive Christ, you receive the Holy Spirit. It's not a separate work. And God put everything you need in Christ. Everything. When you receive the Lord Jesus Christ, you receive the Holy Spirit. And when you receive the Lord Jesus Christ, you become an heir of the inheritance, the personal possession of the Holy Spirit. Everything is yours. You just got to live for Christ, walk and obey his word. All right, now let's move on because I want to show you about our mission today. The vision has been accomplished. So what I want to do today is I want to take you back and show you some place. I gave you her back already. I gave you Hebrew already, chapter 10. But I want to be able to take you back. Let's go back to Genesis 49 and 1. Back in Genesis chapter 49 and verse 1. Because all of this stuff about the last days was not to the body of Christ. There were no messages to the body of Christ about the last days. There's no message about America in prophecy. You've been deceived. Genesis chapter 49, follow me in the word of God, would you? Genesis 49, verse 1, And Jacob called unto his sons and said, Gather yourself together. Jacob called the twelve sons of Jacob, of Israel. Gather yourself together that I may tell you that which shall befall you in the last days. Now, what people are teaching you today is, well, you know, we got this coronavirus Pastor, isn't this the last days? You got people are telling, their, telling people, listen, you in the last days. It won't be long for Jesus come. You've been deceived. You've been deceived. Jesus did not come to you. Jesus came to the Jews. Jesus did not preach to Gentiles. Only two Gentiles receive anything from the Lord. The Bible says he came to his own his own received them not. You need to read John chapter 1, verse 9, 10, 11, 12. He came to his own, his own received them not. But to them that received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. Watch this. To as many as believed on his name. The Jews' salvation was on the name Jesus. The Jews' salvation was in the name of Jesus. That's why Acts 4.12 said, Neither there salvation in any other. There's none other name given among men whereby we must be saved. They were saved in the name Jesus. That's why there's so much arguing in the body of Christ about baptism. Baptized in Jesus' name. That was not your salvation. Your salvation is not in the name Jesus. Your salvation is Christ. We're going to show you that in the Word of God. The Bible says, He that nameth the name of Christ, let him depart from iniquity. So we have to understand there is Jesus, Son of Man, and then there's Christ, Son of God. That's what you got to understand. That's why Jesus came to save his people from their sins. His people. You was not his people. Okay, now in Genesis 49 and verse 1 says, And Jacob called unto his sons and said, Gather yourselves together 
that I may tell you that which shall befall you in the last days. Remember, he's telling him in Genesis, there's no Gentiles in the old covenant or part of the covenant. The people who were part of the covenant in the, in the Old Testament had to become Jews by circumcision to even get in the covenant. But the covenant was made to, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So because of them being Jews, they was born into the covenant. If anybody else who was a Gentile got in the covenant, they had to be circumcised. And they had to fulfill the law for as and obey the law and be a part of the covenant. But they were not automatic of the covenant. All right, so watch what it says. Then down in verse number 22, I'm going to deal with this son because this is Joseph. So the Bible said, Joseph is a fruitful bow, even a fruitful bow by a well, whose branches run over the wall. The archers have solely grieved him, shot at him, hated him. But his bow abode in strength, and the arm of his hand was made strong by the hand of the mighty God of Jacob. From this is the shepherd, the stone of Israel. Now don't forget that, the stone of Israel. That's who Christ is. He's the stone of Israel. He's the stone that the builders rejected when they built the, the, the temple. So you got to understand, but he's also the one that's going to destroy all the nations. When they got ready to destroy Goliath, that's why this young boy, David, picked up a stone. Because that's the type of Christ himself. He's the rock that the church is built on. The Bible says, but his bow abode in strength, the arm of his hand were made strong by the hands of the mighty God of Jacob. From this is the shepherd, the stone of Israel. Even by the God of thy fathers, who shall help thee, and by the Almighty, who shall bless thee with the blessings of heaven above. Remember, these are the seven blessings of Abraham. With the blessings of heaven above, with the blessings of the deep, the blessing that lies under, the blessing of the breath, the blessing of the womb, the blessing of your father, have prevailed ab above the blessing of my progenitors. Unto the uttermost bound of the everlasting hill, they shall be on the head of Joseph and on the crown of the head of him that was separated from his brethren. So this man, Joseph, is a type of Christ himself. That's why I read that. But I'm showing you the prophecy in the last days. He said, let me tell you what's going to happen to you in the last days. I'm going to switch quickly and give you one verse, Hebrew chapter 1. I'm going to come back to... Uh, Numbers 24 in a moment. But in Hebrews chapter 1, watch what the Bible tells you when the Apostle Paul teached the Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1. God, whose son of time and in diverse manner spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets. Now, God has stopped speaking to the prophets, speaking to Israel by the prophets. The last one was John the Baptist. After John the Baptist came Christ. So if you hold your finger right there in Luke 16, 16, let me show you something. So you have to understand that when John the Baptist came, the scripture was now being fulfilled. 
in Luke 16 and 16, the law and the prophets were unto John. Since that time, the kingdom of God is preached and every man pressed into it. So the ministry of the prophets changed when John the Baptist came. Now he came to introduce the kingdom. That's what Jesus would preach. The gospel of the kingdom or the gospel of the kingdom of God. This is the gospel that Jesus preached, which is the gospel of the kingdom. Because you had to have two witnesses. And the gospel of the kingdom is one witness. The gospel of Christ is another. All right? So you have to know the difference between the messages. We don't preach the gospel of the kingdom for our salvation. We preach the gospel of Christ for our salvation. The Jews preached the gospel of, of the kingdom for their salvation. Their salvation was given to the apostle Peter. The revelation that was given Peter in Matthew 16, 13. We'll look at that in a moment. But in Luke 16, the law and the prophet were to John. Since that time, the kingdom of God is preached and every man presses into it. So let's go and show you that. Let's show you that in Matthew 16. This is what God gave Peter. So that was, that's why you must understand the difference in the messages. Matthew 16 and 13 is where we're going to start. Going to slow down a little bit. I know you're at home trying to keep up there. Matthew 16 and 13. Now this is the revelation that God gave Peter for the Jews to be saved. This was not given to you to be saved. Your message was given by the Apostle Paul for you to be saved. And that's why I'm going to show it to you in just a moment. And I'm going to go to 1 Corinthians. My wife do this teaching every service about how we are saved in the body of Christ. So let's look at this. Matthew chapter 16, this is what God gave Peter for the Jews to be saved. This is the message of the gospel of the kingdom. When Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, we in Matthew 16, 13, he asked his disciples saying, who do men say I the son of man am? And they said, some say that you're John the Baptist. Some say you're Elijah. Some say you're Jeremiah. Are you one of the prophets? He said, Jesus said to them, but whom say ye that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, thou art the Christ. Remember, this is how the Jews were saved. The church of God was saved. And that's another thing. You have to understand that we had the beginning of the church, which is the church of God, and that's who was taken out, the church of God, and now you have the body of Christ. That is, if you understand that principle, that would solve a whole lot of confusion right there. If you're waiting for the body of Christ to be taken out, you're mistaken. It was the church of God who was taken out. All right, we'll see that when we get to Revelation chapter 7. 144,000 of the children of Israel plainly told you who they were. Simon Peter answered. He said, who, who do you say that I am, Simon? Simon Peter answered and said, you the Christ? You the son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, blessed art thy Simon by Jonah. Flesh and blood has not revealed. Remember, this is the revelation that God gave Peter for the Jews to be saved. Flesh and blood has not revealed this unto thee, Peter but my Father which is in heaven. And I say to you, Peter, that you are Peter. And up on this rock I'll build my church. Now, he's not talking about building his church on Peter. 
He's not talking about building his church on Peter. That's one of the greatest errors in the Bible. I mean, in religion being taught today that God built his church on Peter. No, Peter's not the rock. That's why I told you earlier, remember that verse that Christ is the rock. Well, I'm going to show it to you again in 1 Corinthians. In 1 Corinthians chapter number 10, he told you who the rock. Verse 1, 1 Corinthians 10 and 1. My brother, I will not have you to be ignorant. He didn't call them ignorant brothers. He just said, I don't want you to be ignorant brothers. How that all our father was under the cloud and all passed through the sea. And were all baptized under Moses in the cloud and in the sea. And did all drink of that spiritual meat. I'm sorry, they all eat of that spiritual meat and they drink of that spiritual rock. For they drink of that spiritual rock, capital R-O-C-K, that followed them and that rock was Christ. So that, that ends that little bit, doesn't it? Christ is the rock. Now, when God said to Peter, upon this rock I build my church, he was not talking about Peter being the rock. Christ is the rock. Christ is the rock. And that's what he already told us in Matthew. I'll go back and show it to you that the day also in Matthew chapter 7. When I finish this, I'm going to go to Matthew 7, and I'm going to show you the two foundations, Matthew 7, 24. So many people got their lives built on Peter because they think Peter's the rock. No, Peter's not the rock. As a matter of fact, Peter wavered more than anybody of the 12 apostles. So why would you want your life built on Peter? All right? Why would you want your life built on any man? Christ is the rock. He is the foundation of the church. So he asked Peter, and I say to thee, Peter, verse number 18, Matthew 16, 18, you are Peter. Upon this rock, he talking about Christ, I'll build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. He said to Peter, I will give you the keys of the kingdom. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Then charged his disciples that they should not tell any man that he was Jesus the Christ. All right, so let's go back here. Let's show it to you. Matthew chapter number 7 and verse 24. This is the chapter of two things. Here I'm teaching you about two foundations. See, all the way through here, Jesus was talking about two things. But I'm teaching you about two foundations. Matthew 7, 24 said, Therefore, whosoever shall hear these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him to be a wise man. Remember, a wise man. The wise man built his house upon a rock. A wise man built his house. He's telling the wise man built his house upon a rock. Now remember, it can't be Peter. Because if you build your house on Peter, you are not a wise man. Remember, Christ is that rock. When I go to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, I'll show you again. And the rain descended, the flood came, the wind blew, beat up on that house, and it fell not, it was founded on a rock. Remember, is your life built on a rock or is it built on man or is it built on tradition or is it built on religion? Because this is what's going to tell off. And it says, and the rain descended, the flood came, the wind blew, beat upon that house, and the Bible says, fell not. Why? It was founded upon a rock. The word founded means the foundation. The foundation was Christ. 
if you build your life and it's not Christ the foundation, your life is going to fall. And everyone that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not shall be likened to a foolish man. So you got two men here. You got a wise man and you got a foolish man. Which man are you? The Bible says the foolish man built his house upon the sand. He built his house upon man. See, if you build your house on Peter, dust thou art Peter, and dust thou shall return. But if you build your house on Christ, Christ is eternal rock that the church sits on. That's why you can't stop the church. The church is built on Christ. Christ is the foundation of the church. The rain descended, the flood came, the wind blew, beat up on that house, the house fell, and great was the fall of it. See, that house fell because it was built on sand. But if you build your life on Christ, you'll be here a long time. 1 Corinthians chapter number 3 told you about that same thing the Apostle Paul ministered on that. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 8 says, He that planteth and he that watereth are one, and every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. We are labored together with God, Paul says. You are God's husbandry. You are God's building. Now, if you are God's building, you got to make sure you're built on a rock. According to the grace of God, which was given me, Paul says, as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, Paul says, and another build thereon. But let every man take heed how he build thereon, for other foundation can no man lay. Then that is laid... Talking about the foundation. Other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the foundation. Now, watch what he tell you. If any man build up on this foundation, gold, silver, precious stone, wood, hay, stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest. The day shall declare it. They was waiting to the end, and they knew the Lord would come back with fire. And if their work was not Gold, silver, and precious stone, then the fire's going to burn up their work. The neighbors will declare it, he says, because it shall be revealed by fire. And the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man work abide which he hath built thereon, he shall receive a reward. If any man work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. Then he says, know ye not that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you? Don't you realize if you're the body of Christ, you're the temple of God? Are you going to tell me the temple of God is built on a man? You've got to make sure if you're the temple of God, your temple is built on Christ, the solid rock. We used to sing a song in church on Christ, that solid rock we stand. All other ground. Is sinking sand. If your life is not on Christ, you're going down. That's my word to you. But you don't have to. You can get off that sandy ground, putting your faith on man, putting your faith in water baptism, putting your faith in all this other stuff, circumcision, putting your faith on foot washing, putting your faith on, uh, on the bread on the table. You got your faith everywhere. You need to have your faith in Christ. 
that is faith in Christ. You know, I, like, I like the story in Matthew chapter 17 when Jesus Christ, he was, came and there was two men with him. It was John the, it was, uh, John the Baptist was one of them, but he was, it was Elijah and Moses. Now these two men came, two men, Moses and Elias. Now Moses stand for the law, and Elijah stand for the prophets. But the key was in Matthew chapter 17, that when Peter saw this, he said, Lord, it's good for us to be here. Let us make three tabernacles. Now, a tabernacle is the place of worship. Let us make three tabernacles, one for Moses, one for Elias, and one for Jesus. And the Lord hurried up and stopped that. Otherwise, you don't need three tabernacles. See, we build a church. I'm a builder of a church as a pastor. The first thing we do is, when we build a church, we put a baptism pool in it. That means we got to keep John the Baptist. We got to have a place for John the Baptist. And then we got to have the bread on the table that's Moses, the Passover. So we're going to keep them guys in the church. And then we're going to have the cross. That's Jesus. And then we don't understand why the power of the cross don't work. Because we still got Moses in the church. And we still got John the Baptist in the church. And we're still trying to get Christ to show us his power. Let, let me show you something here in 1 Corinthians that you might have missed. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, they asked the Apostle Paul about Christ. And they was talking about baptism. Now, 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 10 said, Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing, that there be no division among you, but that you all be perfectly joined together in the same mind and the same judgment. Now it has been declared unto me of you, my brethren, by them which are the house of Chloe, that there are contentions among you. Now this I say, that every one of you say, now you got to understand, out of the NLT it says who they were following. So it says, now some of you say I'm following Paul. Some say I'm following Apollos. Some say I'm following Peter. Some say I'm following Christ. See, that's what happened to you in the church and you got all this stuff. Some following Moses with the baptism pool. Then some following John the Baptist with the baptism. This is what we got going in the church. Then some following the cross. Watch what Paul says. In 1 Corinthians chapter number 1, he says in verse 13, Is Christ divided? Wait a minute. Are you telling me that the table is still Christ? The Bible told you in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7 and 8, Christ is our Passover. Well, if Christ is my Passover, then what is the table? It's Moses. It's law. If Christ is the Passover, now watch what he's going to tell you. In 1 Corinthians chapter number 1, in verse 13, is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Was you baptized in the name of Paul? I thank God, watch, watch it, 
I thank God I baptized none of you. Now here's the apostle for the whole New Testament. If baptism was to save you, why would Paul say, I thank God I baptized none of you? Then he says, Crispus and Gaius. Lest I, lest I should say, or lest any man should say I had baptized in my own name. I baptized also the household of Stephanus, beside I know not whether I baptized any other. Then he's going to give us something. He's going to tell us why. He said, Christ sent me not to baptize. Christ sent me to preach the gospel. Well, see, this is what's happening why people can't preach the gospel. They're too busy baptizing. You know, I know about this because, you know, I, I had to go put my waders on. I had, I had to cut the service short. couldn't preach long because I had to do the communion time and I had to do the baptism time. So while I was doing the communion time, that's going to take about 10 minutes. Make sure everybody get the bread and the wine. And then after that, I got to make sure I baptize. And so I got to make sure I put my boots on. So I had to go get in the water. Then I go back and put my suit back on. See, what's happening is we don't want to take John the Baptist and Moses out of the church. Watch what Jesus told them in verse 17. Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel. Not with the wisdom of words. Watch this. Lest the cross of Christ should be made an effect. When you preach Christ and then try to keep the baptism pool in the church, you're trying to do water baptism, you're trying to do communion on the table, you're trying to serve the Passover, and you're trying to preach Christ. So you got a temple in the church for Moses, you got a temple in the church for John the Baptist, and you got a cross in the Christ for church, a cross in the church for Christ. Wonder why there's no power in the church. Because the power only going to come when you preach Christ and him crucified. This is what Paul is telling them. That you all speak the same thing. <coughs> Excuse me. Christ sent me not to baptize, verse 17, but to preach the gospel. Not with the wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ be made a non-effect. The cross will be non-effect. That's why the cross is non-effect. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. The preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. But unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. The cross, us which are saved, is the power of God. The cross, to us which are saved, is the power of God. So if, I'm, if the Christ is the power of God, then why don't I preach Christ? Is Christ divided? All right, let's keep going. In verse 19, for it's written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise. I will bring them nothing to understand of the prudent. Where's the wise? Where's the scribe? Where's the disputers of this world? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. Here we go. Don't drop the cup. For after the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. Verse 21. For it pleased God by the foolishness of preaching. Don't drop your cup, man. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching 
to save them that believe. Now, here's people telling you you're saved by water baptism. Here's people telling you you're saved by taking communion. Oh, you can get your sins forgiven by water baptism. You get your sins forgiven by taking fast. Listen, you're saved by the cross. There's no other salvation in the Bible but the cross. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching Christ, preaching Christ him crucified to save them that believe. The Bible said the Jews required a sign. Greeks seek after wisdom. Paul said, but we preach Christ crucified under the Jew, the stumbling block, under the Greek foolishness, but under them which are called, under them which are called, Christ, the power of God. So if you're not preaching Christ, you're not preaching the power of God. Water baptism, not the power of God. The communion table, foot washing, that's not the power of God. You got to preach the cross. That's the power of God. Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than man, and the weakness of God is stronger than man. Isn't that something? God has given us the power, the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. And all you have to do is receive it. My time is up. I thank you for yours. Man, I'm telling you, I'm going to get a little deep in this word the next service. I'm ministering two services today. I'm going to get a little deep in the word of God. But the vision has been accomplished. For it's Christ, Christ is the end of the law. Christ is the end of all natural things. Christ is the end of all types and shadows. Christ is the end of all natural things. See, we still want to go on with all the natural things in the church. Christ is the end of water baptism. Christ is the end of John the Baptist. Christ is the end of Elijah the prophet. He's the end of the Passover. See, everything ends because Christ came and died and buried and raised again from the dead. Last verse, 1 Corinthians chapter 10. When my wife come up this, this day, she's going to read this verse. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 1. It's an awesome thing. This is how you say. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, my brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preach to you, which also you have received, Paul says, wherein you stand, by which also you are saved, if you keep in memory what I preach to you, unless you have believed in vain. Oh, what an awesome thing to go to church all your life and you believe water baptism for your salvation. All your life, you believe you had to take Passover for your salvation. All the, God, a, cross, a cross is on every church, but yet the cross is not preached for your salvation. Many men got cross around their necks, but they don't preach Christ for their salvation. There's no salvation without the cross. Paul said to you, you believe in vain. I deliver to you first of all, Paul says, which I also received, how Christ died for our sins according to the scripture. He was buried, he rose again the third day according to the scripture. That is the gospel of Christ. Christ's death, burial, and resurrection 
is how you're saved today. My time is up. I thank you for yours. Can we give the Lord a great big hand? Thank you for listening to the Dora Faith Ministries podcast. I hope this message was a blessing to you and we look forward to seeing you on the next episode. If you're listening on iTunes, be sure to give us a five-star rating. Also, be sure to find us online at www.mydoorfaith.org. That's www.mydoorfaith.org. 